everyone. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Tiffany Baggett from Encourage Millions. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that you are now on the podcast. It's been um, a couple of months, but we're here. I'm excited. Um, we were just talking off, off the air about a lot of our similarities. Um, she's actually in Birmingham, Alabama. And it's literally the land of opportunity right now um, as a whole. I was in Alabama about two years, no, three, two or three years ago. And I was like, yeah, it's a lot going on. It reminded me of Newark before Newark uh, skyrocketed with the prices. Right. So for those who are looking for good investment opportunities, you probably want to look at Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Birmingham, Alabama area. And you definitely want to hit up Tiffany because she is doing big things out there. So again, welcome. Thank you. And we're going to talk about how you guys started in real estate. Um, your brand encouraged millions. Um, we're going to talk about now also your fitness journey and your app called Wealth Quality. Check out this Brand organized right now. So we're going to talk about all of that today. And so basically, how did you get started in real estate? And um, yeah, we'll start with that. <laughs> okay. Well, I actually, um, two, two, two things that really got me started. So I, I always say that it seems as though you start something when you're going through something. So I started, um, I was going through a really bad divorce. And I think I said this before to like some of my students, but I had a thing of like, I would buy things when I'm upset. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like going through the divorce and I saw this house and I was like, oh man, what if I just bought that house? And I didn't even think about what I was going to do with it, but it was so cheap. And I was just like, I could just buy it. So they, I bought that house. Uh, when I went through the divorce, I actually ended up renovating that home and moving into it. Okay. But while I was in it, I my mom was a single mother and my mom was kind of into real estate. She was trying to buy and flip houses. My dad was a real estate broker. Okay. So I kind of was seeing things um, from both different sides. Mm -hmm. And once I got in there, I fixed it up. And I just had this idea that every home that I, that I purchased, I wanted to rent it out to a single mother. So that's what I ended up doing. I ended up um, moving out and renting it out to a single mom. I moved to Orlando for about a year um, and I worked on my business there um, without being in Birmingham. So I took it national online. So I started to get students from all over, just teaching them about real estate investing, but also how to start that as a business. Right. Um, and I just kind of went from there until I decided to go the technology route. Um, just a little backstory. I've always worked in technology since I graduated college. So I was a computer programmer. Um, okay. Yeah, and I love technology. So I started thinking of ways to close the racial wealth gap and get people um, into ownership. And that's where the app idea came about. I'm still developing that now. And that's just pretty much um, how it took off. I think I had a post 
that went viral on Instagram and people started to come over from that. But that's how it all got started. And Encourage Millions, the name came to me in the dream. So nice. when people ask me, like, where did I come up with the name? It actually came to me in a dream. And so I just stuck with it. I love that. See, I'm a big, I'm not going to say a big dreamer, but God speaks to me in dreams. And I probably said that in past episodes. People's out of me talking about that. But no, I get a lot of inspirations um, and ideas like that God gives me in my dreams. He even told me to create an app two years ago. And I still didn't, I still didn't execute. You still got time. But I still have time. And it is a real estate app also. Um, so yeah, and it's needed more than never now. But yes, I'm glad you executed. And I'm, I'm glad God gave you that dream or, I mean, I think it was God, right? All right. A dream and you, you're doing great things for our community. And I love that you said that you were, your inspiration was to close the wealth gap. Right. For Black people and maybe people of color, but Black people at the end of the day, <laughs> people that look like us, right? People right. People that experience the things that we experience. Um, I was also a single, well, you were married when um, you started your investment journey, but I was a, sing a newly single mother with like an 18 month old when I got started as a wholesaler, just some backstory. And I, I started the learning part while I was in the relationship with her dad, but I didn't really start to execute until my back was against the wall. And right, like, right. Yeah. And then I got fired all in that same summer. And I was like, oh, hey, so yeah, you had to go hard. Right. Right. I was like, this is the moment to see if this stuff really works. Um, I wound up getting a job like two months later, briefly, because I got fired from that job too. But um, I was able to close my first deal like six months after saying, all right, I'm going to get started by the grace of God. Um, but I love that your motivation was tied to helping women, single women or single mothers, um, tied to uh, closing the, excuse me, closing the wealth gap for Black people. So I just, I love that. And I think that should just be the motivation for all of us that right. are doing it, right? We're lifting as we're climbing the ladder right. ourselves, but I think it's so important for us to tap back or look back um, in our community. So I commend you. That's probably how I found you too. Uh, one, you, of course, are a Black woman in this business. I'm a Black woman. And I started following you, I know, over a year ago. Um, probably even before I came up with the podcast, I was following you. So, Oh, wow. Uh, kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for, you know, being an inspiration to um, women, especially in this in this industry. Now, can we talk about um, what it's like to be a woman, a Black woman in the real estate industry? Do you want to talk about that? Um, yes. And I will add it. And I will tie it in as well with the tech. Um, okay, yeah. From what I've been going through recently. Okay. Um, so I would say that when I, when I first started, so of course, like my first real estate, I would say my first real estate purchase was my own primary home. Mm -hmm. So I did have my own primary home before I got the investment property. But during that time, I tried a little bit of wholesaling and I was not liking it. <laughs> like, I just was not liking it. Like in terms of being a woman in the real estate industry, even like working with contractors, I had contractors either try to get over or try to overcharge. 
Um, and luckily I had like, um, my now husband is a contractor. So he knows like how much things should cost. And mm -hmm. he helps me out a lot with that. Mm -hmm. But before that, I would say that it was very just, um, I would say that in black women in real estate, people tend to think that we don't know what we're talking about. And most I, I won't even say most all of the black women that I know that are in real estate they've spent time researching they spent time studying they they're either real estate agents or just like they we spend that time to learn um so that was something that I experienced like people think that you don't know what you're talking about and moving into the tech space of things Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to now going through the fundraising process and raising funds for my app, I'm noticing that, you know, my counterparts that are white men that's around my same age, they could just have an idea and the money falls in their lap. But with me, it's okay. I see your idea, but, uh, let's also see your bank statements or, um, let's see your MVP, which is just a minimum viable product. Right. So it's like, I'm building an app and I, I've noticed that like, they don't want to see just an idea from us is what I noticed. They want to see something actually put out in the market already, which you need money to do that. So, yeah. um, that was definitely just differences I've noticed and just like we have the wealth gap with blacks when it comes to home ownership and things like that we also have a funding gap when it comes to black women receiving funding compared to our counterparts so I agree yeah I agree and that's probably what was that was like the main thing that helped me back from really executing with my app outside of the name um, being taken, you know, right. Um, so I don't change the name about four times. I, I, I think this is, <laughs> but it's more than a name. I could name it anything. It could be right. You do dot com or whatever or dot io. But it's really about, like you said, the funding. Like I don't want it to just be a flop. I want it to right next biggest app. Because what happens when I notice this, even if you do copyright something, somebody could always just take the idea change the name and because they got the funding and the resources they're gonna pop right right we're gonna we're gonna pray over our apps so <laughs> because yeah no literally i'm like god gave it to me i have to execute because maybe right. my my the person that's supposed to fund it is on the other side but i'm scared to leave right right um in new york also i'm in the new jersey area so we're, i'm right next to new york they do have um shoot i forgot the name I think it's women. Let me look at I'm gonna look it up and I'm gonna talk about it. But it's a basically an organization for women and they fund their ideas and businesses. I don't know if you know about it, but I'm it's for I'm sure any state. Um I'll send it to you. I'll try to look it up before the episode is over. Um, just in case someone else and that's listening wants to know too. Um and they're on Instagram and I, they've grown their organization greatly over the last year. Um and also I know um What's her name? Keisha Knight. Um, um, one, two for Black women specifically. 
Oh, okay. When it comes to different industries, I know the guy from the owner of Shea Moisture. He did a really large initiative for, it was for tech. At the time, I wasn't thinking about tech, but it was for tech. It was for beauty. Um, was it for real estate? Because I'm like, listen, I need some money for development because that's what I needed money for at the time. Um, so he has like, a, I want to say it's over um, a $10 million fund. Oh, wow. And again, all of these people, well, at least the last two I mentioned, they're black. So I hope they would. Uh, <laughs> right. 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 Um, and then the first organization, they're probably not black, but I know they are women based. It's a mm -hmm. women based fund. So um, and then I'm, I always wonder, like, how do people get through to like Jay-Z's and Nas's? Like, how do like who do they know to get them to donate the money into their right? Their well, I, well, I will say this. I will say this. I went through Founder Gym. Uh, so if if you don't if you've never heard of Founder Gym, uh, heard of it. <laughs> OK, well, people listening. So it was basically like a. Um, I, I, was, I guess a, the correct term is accelerator. Okay. Um, so it was, um, of course, and it costs, but they also have scholarships that okay. you can apply for. But I basically did that for, I think it was eight weeks. Okay. And, and it was the best thing that I could have done at that time um, because I it was just little things that I didn't know. So I had an LLC. I didn't know that when you get into raising money for your business, it's best to have a corporation. Changed mm -hmm. over to that. They, they taught a lot. And they also, once you're done with the program, they connect you with individuals as well that are investing at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they basically teach you like what area that you would need to go out looking for funds for. So if you haven't checked out Founder Gym, definitely check that out because that was the best thing that I I did to learn how to raise funding. Um, I got sick shortly after that. So now I'm kind of like picking back up to begin raising what they call a pre-seed round. So this will be like my first round um, of raising funds. But that was the best thing that I did was to go through that. I love it. I'm I'm literally signing up today. Um, typically, um, when it comes to starting an app, so, well, not even starting an app. What do you think is the most challenging part outside of the fundraising? Because we know that's probably a little bit of a challenge right now. And how much money do you need to raise? Ooh, um, I will say this: my pre-seed round, um, I was asking five hundred thousand. Okay. So normally, what people um don't really and I didn't know this until going through that program but mm -hmm. you should be asking for um your salary at least for a year um okay. the individuals that you need to bring on um asking for their salary if you have an office the rent things that that you know that you need in order to get the app complete of course <laughs> development so a lot of times, um, I think that when we're thinking of starting an app, we're just like, oh, this just this is what I want. This is what I want the app to be. But it's going to change so much. So after meeting with like, um, I was going to use third party sources to kind of do my initial like product. 
to test, <laughs> right? You really gotta have your requirements down pat. Like you, you, I would say, don't overthink it, but just have like the the main features that you want in the app, and you can get those created. And then also, there are tools out there. So. <laughs> Even when you're about to fundraise, let's say you don't have anything but an idea. Right. Go on Canva and create your pitch deck, put up uh, mock-ups of phones and, and how you want it to look. You can find somebody on Fiverr to create those mock-ups. But that was, I would, I would say, um, starting out what I needed and knowing how much to ask for. 500000 um I could go down less than that, but honestly, for me to be successful for a year in developing this, and I know that's the amount that I need to be right. successful. And a lot of people, um, and a lot of entrepreneurs, we don't pay ourselves. And that is a big issue because if you're not receiving the funding that you need, then it, it turns into, instead of you focusing on your app now you're focusing on well how am I going to pay my mortgage this month or rent when all of that could have been you know handled there mm-hmm. I, agree. So I, I do I think we all should take advantage of going out and asking for the money that we need I agree I totally agree so I'm gonna assume it's a real estate app or is it like a fitness yeah. app yeah, so it's going to be um, a real estate slash education app. Okay. okay. So it's um, more of I want people to learn, but also be able to have access to affordable real estate. So um, we'll be listing, having listings as well. But okay. I'm really looking to have listings that are $50,000 in list because it is and just thinking about Birmingham, I can't speak for up north. I know those prices are like <laughs> crazy. It was fifty thousand. Yeah, I got started a long time ago. But in Birmingham, we're talking to like literally. We have, I think, the last time I looked at the tax lien papers, fourteen thousand parcels here. Wow, and wow. those average from. Uh, sixty thousand or less is the amounts, and this is back taxes thing. So it's just really like I'm trying to really. I, I hate to say it like this, but I want black people to own. Come on, so, I, hey, if it, I'm I'm trying not that if it ain't for us, who, who, who what we doing it for? Right, I'm I'm like trying to get us to get the real estate. And it's just like, I don't need that. Like, I'm cool with the wholesaling. I, I've, I've done it before, but I want people to own too, not just wholesale and you're out of there. Like, I want them to be able to own as well. So, I mean, I literally hate wholesaling. I feel like it's like I'm a drug dealer in my own community. That's what I feel like. I'm doing a, a huge disservice um, to my community to the landlord or the or sellers, excuse me, to myself. Right. And then once I realized that if I'm wholesaling to another black person, cool, we good. <laughs> any other color, and even if you, you know, Latino, cool. 
anybody else. No, because you know what? It, what the most important thing is our dollars are not circulating in our community. That's the right. So they say, um, I don't want to put race into this, but typically white money or even Jewish money, it circulates in their communities for about 30 days. Oh. Our money only circulates in our communities for about six hours. Okay. No, seriously, it's a whole fact. And I wish I would have came with the real, like. Oh my God. Literally, but you know why? Because we don't own anything. We're literally getting paid. And by the time we get home, our check is spent. Mm-hmm. We go into the grocery stores that are not black owned, right? A lot of it right. is being spent there. Um, the, the, the mortgage we don't own, like we don't own the house. So we're paying the mortgage for the, in my community, Jewish investor, right? Correct. So the black dollars are not circulating in our communities. We're funding everybody else's lifestyle, but our own. Right. So it is important for ownership, black businesses, black home ownership, um, whatever. I don't care if you got a Airbnb that you renting from somebody else, whatever. Circulation of the dollars has to stay in our community. Right. It's very important. Um, so again, initiatives like yours are very important. And I don't care if they're living in, um, I mean, I know y'all probably don't like the Northerners coming down here, taking up the stuff. But I don't care if it's my black behind in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> Owning stuff in Birmingham, it does. At this point, it doesn't even matter. We right. need to be buying everything, like everything, all the land, all the houses, all the pieces of papers, notes, whatever. We need to be owning it at this point, right? Um, because the wealth gap is not getting a lot. Is is getting larger, like the gap, right? It's not getting smaller, right? So. And you know, with something I learned, and I'm 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 still big on edu- education. But after doing my research, I did learn that education is not the issue of the racial wealth gap. I don't know what is the issue, girl. We're gonna talk. What, what you think the issue is? So from, from my research, what I've read, um, because a lot of the land was taken, mm-hmm. it's kind of like we're playing catch up, and that's why you see a lot of people um, talking about reparations and things like that. Which is fine, but now I feel like, just in my opinion, I know education is not the main cause of the wealth gap, but I do feel like it's the cause of why it's increasing, why it's getting bigger. Because now we have younger, well, I'm 36, but now we have people that's younger than us, 20 years old, and they don't really know about homeownership or the importance of that. So it's just going to keep widening. The gap is going to keep widening because we don't know. But I do feel like after watching some things, um, especially I've seen something on uh, Vice. I know it's the name of the, I, I forgot, but it was on YouTube. And they're talking about how land was taken in Mississippi um, and how this guy was able to get it back. That, like, things like that, when you have, like, land taken, and I even sometimes sit around and think, like, okay, my great-great-grandfather's owned a farm. Where is it? Like, I don't, I'm older now, and I'm like, what happened to the farm? And I might ask my mom. She doesn't know. And I'm just like, well, we had land, so what happened to it? And I was looking at, um, 
my husband actually showed me an article the other day of a guy here. Um, he owned this pier here for years, um, white guy. Mm-hmm. And in his will, he stated that he wanted his kids to sell it to the county. So I looked at that. I'm like, this guy owned this pier for years. He probably mm-hmm. only had to pay yearly taxes. And that's it. His mm-hmm. pet sold it for $3 million. Mm-hmm. So it's like things like that. Like, we're doing it. We're doing what they're doing. But we're selling our grandparents' house for like 30000 or 40000 It's like we're losing that, that wealth that could have remained in the family. So I don't know. It's a lot when we talk about the wealth gap. But... <laughs> So I think it's a legal problem too. I mean, you know, uh, institutional, systematic, right. local banking issue. Um, we see what's happening with the appraisals. Um, I'm also a black realtor. Um, so I see it firsthand. Yeah. I had to argue and pray about this one. But we finally got what we needed to get. <laughs> but, you know, I see, I see it. I've worked as a realtor. Um, help Even when it comes to like rentals. And for whatever reason, God had me doing it. And I was working with um, individuals who were living in shelters and they may have been homeless or whatever the case may be. And I, I one, I think it's a mindset thing too. Um, um, we allowed um, the government assistance to cripple us. I literally have heard people and not, I'm not going to say it's the people that were living in the shelters. Some people in my own family, oh, well, I don't want to make this much money because I'm trying to keep my Section 8. What? No, no, the Section 8 was temporary. Um, these government programs are temporary. You are not on this earth to just collect Section 8 every month. Correct. Or understand. Yeah, I'm here to buy and own and build wealth. Right. Because God said so, actually. Because God said so. But that's a whole nother thing. But <laughs> what were you guys trying? No, you're, you're saying, right, because I have people in my family as well that have made those same statements. And you know what? I think it takes, once again, education because if someone broke down to someone that let's say you're paying two hundred dollars a month for section eight you could also get an owner finance and pay two hundred dollars a month and you have a house so it's just like i don't know i had older women in my family that were like once you're in the system it's gonna be hard for you to get out so that's why even when i fell on hard times i was always afraid to file for food stamps or me too like I was afraid because I was like if I do this yeah am I ever gonna stop doing it um and and I just I've always been afraid about that like getting stuck in the system yeah yeah I I mean when I lost that job and that wasn't the only time I lost a job apparently right but um yeah I mean and I'm in the state where like New York you can legally become a professional food stamp recipient. Like, oh, like, I mean, I'm not going to say legally, but these people will be on it for years. They will work for the, um, well, they'll sit home and get their little $300 a month welfare cash assistance. And they got their food stamps and they got their section eight apartment and they good. They gushy. Oh. And I'm talking about people that dress better than me. They got their Jordan. I'm like, well, how are you getting Jordans? I don't get Jordans. <laughs> like, like they had it all, the whole system mapped out. Um, so I commend you um, if you ever had to get food stamps or 
realizing one, it was um detriment to your right. to your potential, right? To to your purpose. And realizing this is just a a, a very short term crutch. Right. And you were able to see the bigger picture. So that's that's good. That's um that's amazing. I myself, I knew I couldn't, I wholesaling didn't work out the first two months. Okay. I had to still apply for jobs. I was a real estate paralegal. So um, you know, it wasn't like I didn't have a crutch. I didn't have my degree. Um, but I had to go back to work. Right. I had a mouth to feed. Yeah. Right. So and as mothers, as women, we we're like, we always make a way out of no way. Period. Right. Yeah, I will say we do. Yes, we do. Yep. So <laughs> let's, yep. So I was going to say, let's definitely talk about what I know you for right now is tax liens or tax delinquency um, liens or properties. And I, I'm assuming you focus primarily in Alabama or states that operate like Alabama. Right. Well, well, honestly, I primarily buy tax liens here. Um, in Alabama. Um, I've never purchased out of state, but I know the laws of certain states because if my students were in another state, then we spent time researching and learning how that works. But here, I would say if you're listening, if you, want invest, <laughs> if you want to invest in real estate, look at Alabama because um, definitely Huntsville, Alabama, is has actually surpassed Birmingham now as the biggest city. Um, so definitely Huntsville, Alabama, which is right. where all of the big tech companies, um, a lot of big, huge tech companies are moving to um, Huntsville. And we have now a new Amazon warehouse that they are building here in Birmingham. But here, um, it's just more... The thing, the, the what I like about the tax properties here is this. Of course, we have a redemption period. But the thing is, we have so much abandoned land and abandoned property that when you purchase, the people aren't coming back. Mm. Like, it's been abandoned for 10, 15 years, maybe five years. So those are the ones that you know, like, these people aren't coming back. Um, you, I know for a fact here, once you buy a tax deed, because we have tax certificates and tax deeds. So okay, they take, wait, not right there. Okay. <laughs> Explain to them what a tax certificate is and what is a tax deed. Okay. So here in Alabama, a tax certificate is any, um, property or land where the taxes have not been paid in less than three years so three years or less um so these individuals still have a redemption right which means they can come back and still purchase their taxes back um but um those three years or less so the redemption period is also three years so if you purchase a tax certificate most people hold on to it for three years um most people wholesale them um, they sell their, they may wholesale their tax certificates. Now the tax deeds are property or land that has been behind on taxes for three years or more. Um, so with those, you gain uh, ownership interest. Mm-hmm. So um, you could go ahead and file for ejectment 
you could, um, that's if someone's living in it. Um, if it's vacant, you could start rehabbing it and renting it out. Okay. Uh, and what I tell my students with cases like that, if you do do that and you kind of feel like the person may come back and redeem, I will put your tenant on a month-to-month lease opposed to like a 12-month lease. That way, if that was to happen, you have everything in place legally so that those people could move out in 30 days and things like that. Um, But it's just like here is the easiest way to start. Of course, my first property wasn't a tax property, but it was a property that was behind on taxes for years and it ended up going to become a hood home and I purchased it from hood. But we have, I'm talking about thousands, thousands, thousands. I'll be hitting you up. <laughs> I need help. I mean, yeah, I need help. I mean, I do have, I do use software databases. Um, one being PropStream or developerdata.com, yeah. whatever my affiliate link is. But I know you know how to get to the real good stuff. <laughs> and you know what? I spend... I spend a little extra time when I'm when I'm researching them. So I don't just like go out and I'm like, oh, there's one for $500. Because here, you got to go drive out, check it out, make sure it's still standing for one. Because yeah. it might not even be standing. It might just be the land at this point, depending on how bad it is. But uh, we have like, I know of some sites, like like you said, like PropStream, um, another one people use here, I know is Parcel Fair. Okay. They have Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi on there. Okay. Uh, I like that, that site because you can apply for it um, from that site. So it's, it's, you just got to be creative when you're going about. The same way you kind of are creative with wholesaling, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with with researching those tax properties awesome yeah I'm I'm probably gonna have to just allow you to be my coach (laughs) or you can go sell something to me I don't know whatever works for you um so through your company encourage millions are you teaching or mentoring specific well I'm sure you do more than just tax sales but do you focus on um tax sales or deeds yeah, so um, last month, I did like a tax lien intensive session. Okay. I tried it out to see how that'll work with people spending like an hour and a half and we look for properties in their area or and we do that. That worked out really well. So I went ahead and added that to my coaching calendar. So okay. I do offer coaching for that and also with just um, starting a business as well. So... Those are the two coaching um, intensives that I offer. And then for people that are like, it's always people that are just don't know where to start. So I offer like an introductory call um, for those individuals. And then every month I do like a free monthly masterclass. Um, so that happens once a month. And that's for tax investing? Um, that's for any topic. That oh, okay. We- yeah, we have like a different topic every month. So I think um, I started it back up in, was it September? I think, yes, sep- September. And we did tax liens in September. 
In October, we did um, how to leverage the equity. And then this month, we're doing just like a Q&A. So any questions, they send them to me and then we'll answer them on the class. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff. This was good. <laughs> Anything else I got to add? <laughs> um, well, outside of um, Huntsville and Birmingham, because Birmingham is huge. Not Birmingham. Right. Alabama, excuse me. Alabama is huge. What are, you, what are your thoughts on like Montgomery? Um, I think that was the town I was looking at. Yeah. What are, you, what are some other hot spots in Alabama? So those are good because the, Montgomery is where the state capital. Um, Birmingham, I would say this, anybody's listening, Birmingham is going to be excellent because in the upcoming year, because the World Games are coming here. So um, we're going to have the World Games come in next year. We also just had, and I just saw this other day in the news, but they're bringing a football league here. So they're going to be, be lit. Yeah. You better buy everything right now. They're, they're going to hang up like um, a football league that's going to be playing at the new stadium. Like they're going to do all of their games in Birmingham. So that's what I tell people. Like it's a good um, time to buy and turn it into an Airbnb or turn it into a rental property. But next year is going to be really good for Birmingham. So, yeah, yeah you guys are going to get a lot of hit with the stuff that we getting hit with. So Newark, you know, we ha we added a, a stadium, a hockey stadium. Oh. And then we added, first it was the football stadium, like a soccer stadium. Oh, okay. And then they did the um, hockey stadium and then the hockey stadium also became the basketball stadium so then you had all these you know the money coming in and then like prudential came in oh and then of course we had we're like a hub for new york city so it's only like a 20 minute ride to midtown so now it's becoming to the point where people that are from newark can't really afford newark oh so we have that issue of We'll, we'll say gentrification because who was buying up everything at the time when the transition was happening were the others, we'll call them at the moment. It wasn't enough of us, right? And then, uh, and then us, we are also charging too much for the rent. Now, I guess because of inflation, it makes sense. Um, but, you know, the city of Newark was so big on stop gentrification, but then also if the mayor's listening, I don't care. You're not really doing much for affordable housing. Like you're allowing natives like Shaq, they allowed him to build this high-end luxury building and he didn't have to do no affordable housing. And we're talking about one bedroom for $3,000. I said, who in Newark that make the median, the average income for Newark is $33,000 per year. Oh, no. Who could afford $3,000 a month in rent for one bedroom? Nobody. Nobody. Sound like me because... Don't don't let me get started on affordable housing. I get mad. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I get really mad about affordable housing. I get mad about even fear housing. Okay. Yeah. I literally, as a, and I, you know, I, I didn't really talk about myself on this interview too much, but I'm working on um, residential real estate. I'm work, focusing on uh, black home ownership. I'm focusing on affordable housing. I'm focusing on just even fair housing. And just today, I had to report a landlord 
telling me he wasn't taking um, city section eight. I said, you better take all the section eight. Because <laughs> you're going to get rewarded. How about that? And again, again, it's not, it's not a, it's not a black person, of course. It's somebody else. These right. Others that we allow come into our communities, and they've been investing in our communities when our communities was de- dilapidated, right? Because Newark was really bad. Right. That it just started getting a little bit better. Um, but that's our fault because we done sold out our communities, and now we have to deal with it. Right. They don't. They don't sell nothing. They don't Let- hear upside down. I seen the house the other day, and I had to call this investor. I'm like, I wholesale this house to you four years ago. I said, why is it still not completed? He said, oh, I wholesaled it to somebody else, and they just letting it sit. So he had another investor friend from Israel, and they just letting it sit there. You know why? Because when they don't do nothing with the property, they just write it off on their taxes. Mm-hmm. As long as they're paying their um, property taxes, they don't care. Yeah. Basically, it's it's a write-off for I don't know how much. That's another episode for, like, cost segregation. But literally, they're paying their little 10000 maybe even 7000 a year for taxes because the taxes are high here. And they're probably writing off so much on the depreciation part. Right. So it, it's nothing for them to own houses, have people burn them down, have it abandoned, have whatever. For years on end, and I asked him, like, "Yo, what's going on with the house?" I thought maybe he wanted to sell it. Like, to me, maybe I don't know. He was like, "Oh, I sold it. I wholesaled it." Oh my! He wholesaled too. Yeah, because <laughs> there's always one bigger investor somewhere in Israel with all this money they need to clean. In my eyes, so yeah. Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Just in case one of them is on here listening. <laughs> but no, it was such a pleasure, Tiffany. We have to do this again. We have to stay connected. Um, you did start a new fitness brand. Let's talk about that. Yes. Well, so yes, I do have a new Instagram for um my track journey. So I'm documenting like my whole fitness journey. Um, that is bomb. It's b o m b dot reloaded. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm just I'm starting to just like uh it's just. It's kind of refreshing. So um, I don't really think about what I post on there. I just post whatever's on my mind that day. So like today I posted about my weight loss because I did go from, I was a little chunky uh, during the pandemic. So I've lost almost I, I all gained 40. <laughs> I gained like 30, 40. So I gained like 30 or 40. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down to, I was 160. I'm down to one. 35 and I want to get down to 125 so I got about 10 pounds all right now you got to share what you did what I got to do I um definitely cut out beef chicken and pork and I I could do that yeah I was doing fish only and I was walking two hours a day so I was walking like at a good speed not like a slow speed but I was walking like two hours a day and I lift weights a lot and I know a lot of people don't like to lift weights but I lifted weights a lot in the weight room. So, and that's what really got it down. In terms of stomach area, now that's where the sprinting comes into place to lose. So now I'm getting back into running when I'm not injured, but I get back into like running outside more instead of on the treadmill. Okay. So you were doing two hours on the treadmill? 
No, I was walking two hours. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah, I had found like a little trail and I was just walking like two hours. Yeah, so I found one too, finally. And that was cold. So, you know, we're in the north. So like today, it was like 40 degrees. Cold. I think right now it's probably like 50. Oh. But when I had the time to walk, it was too cold. <laughs> but we, I, I have no excuses. Uh, where I do live, we do have a um, a gym. I'm not really a treadmill person because I'm clumsy and I would hate to fall. But I think I'm going to take, I'm going to at least try to do an hour. Yeah. Of walking a day. Because my issue is not so much the chicken as much. Like I don't fry food at all. Only when I'm out, I'll have something fried. Um, and what I noticed is too, the restaurants, they give you air fried food now. It's not really real fried. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I'm sure I have an air fryer in here, but it, most of my chicken that I cook is curry. Like I'm, I'm, I'm half Jamaican. So I do a lot of, oh, but I beef is an issue for me. So I, yeah, but I'm cutting it out. I do have to have a steak at least once a month, but I've been trying to do a lot of seafood. That's what helped me lose 15 pounds last, the month before last. But my issue is sugar. Oh, it's like crack. I'm sorry. Really? I don't know what crack is like, but. <laughs> You're about to look so bad. Yeah, I have a sugar problem. Oh, God. I, I have a problem, but I'm like addicted to sugar. Like when I'm like upset, sugar. When I'm anxious, sugar. Me is bread. And I'm in the South. So you already know oh, I'm in the South. <laughs> my fat behind we was driving from Orlando to Louisiana because my grandfather lives in Natchitoches Louisiana and I remember seeing somebody posting that fried corner on a cob in Alabama and I was like oh I'm stopping for this fried corn I literally made my way we didn't even need to go to Birmingham but I made my way <laughs> I think it was Bur Birmingham or Mobile I think it was Birmingham because I told my friend to meet me there yeah you you know the restaurant I'm talking about with the fried corn? Uh uh, girl, how you it, don't know about this? But listen, I I've I've I know that Birmingham is known for food, and I didn't know that until I saw um Mark Zuckerberg, mm -hmm. and they like closed the restaurant down for him. What restaurant was that? It was Ovenbird, I think is the name. Oh, okay, Ovenbird. But he, I mean, he was even talking about how good the food was here. But see, I had to come in from Orlando and I lived in Orlando for a year and come back here. Now I see why we have a lot of weight issues here because we, we have some good food. Like, yeah, y'all do. Besides the corn, they had like really good barbecue. Like, I think I had pulled pork or something. Oh. I don't know. Now I'm getting hungry. Now you making me hungry. But you and know, I, I'm going to figure out like what the name of that restaurant was. And I found them on Facebook one day. And then I was just like, for like a year and a half, I'm, like, I'm going to this place. I'm going to this place. And my friend was like, I never go there. I'm like, uh, you don't appreciate food because you live there. She's not really a, a foodie either. I'm a foodie. Oh, yeah. You got to tell me the name of that place because I love fried corn. <laughs> it was really good. Like my mother was like, oh, we going back one more time. <laughs> we even there long. Um. But yeah, God willing, I'll I'll be back in Birmingham probably next year. Okay. Well, maybe before the end of the year. My best friend is coming up in December, so for her birthday. So I can't uh -oh. for her. But yeah, but when I do come, I'll definitely shoot you a message on Instagram. When you come up here, you probably will be busy. 
<laughs> but just let me know that you got in town. This was really great. It feels like we've known each other for long. <laughs> we just met today. <laughs> but God bless you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Let everybody know how they can get in contact with you or how to find you on social media. Okay. Well, thank you first off for having me. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Encourage Millions. Um, and if you want to follow my track journey, you could go to uh, bomb, B-O-M-B dot Reloaded. And I also have another page, which is Ask, A-S-K, Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-I. And I'm on Facebook at Encourage Millions and Twitter at Encourage Meals. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I know where to find Tiffany. It will be a disservice if you don't find her because she literally gives you a free training once a month and she's she is the go-to person for tax investing. So go make sure you go and follow her. Make sure you go support her and everything that she's doing. All right, you all have a blessed day and we'll see each other soon. Bye. Bye.